Welcome to A Voice from the Hills. I'm James Warner, co-founder of Silicon Hills Wealth Management here in Austin, Texas. Our guest on today's podcast is Susan McKenna. In March of this year, Susan was tapped to take over as interim CEO of eMoney Advisor. And in August, the board removed that interim designation. So we're so excited to have her on the pod in one of our first appearances as Chief Executive Officer of eMoney. eMoney is a leading provider of technology solutions. The firm serves over 100,000 financial professionals and is present in more than 5 million households. We're excited to learn a little bit more about Susan, gain some insight onto what that journey from interim CEO to permanent CEO looks like. And we're going to talk about eMoney, their expanding role in our industry, the vision of the company to provide financial peace of mind and how they're executing on that, and how we as financial advisors can leverage technology to bridge the gaps in financial education and access. So please join me in welcoming eMoney CEO, Susan McKenna. James Warner is the founding partner of Silicon Hills Wealth Management and the host of A Voice from the Hills podcast. All opinions expressed by James, his co-host, and his guest are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Silicon Hills Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Silicon Hills Wealth Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Good morning, Susan, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, James. Thank you so much for inviting me. Excited to be here. Yeah, let me start by saying congratulations. I'm sure the last uh, six months have been a bit of a whirlwind, haven't they? It actually really has, and it's it's changed still yet since you know officially getting the word a couple of weeks ago. So it's been exciting. So let's take us back to uh, March 2022. Your your chief revenue officer, which in and of itself is uh, that there's a lot on your plate. Yeah. And you get the call, interim CEO. (laughs) What are you thinking at that moment? So I'll step back a little further. I actually was, I was wearing two hats at the time, chief marketing officer and chief revenue officer. Uh, And then I was going to assume interim. So I was going to wear three hats for a little while and try that on and see how that felt. So I'm thinking, wow. Great opportunity, huge passion for e-money, for our vision, for our mission, and for the team. This is really just an incredible place to be. So excited, nervous, uh, all of those good things that I think come with uh, stepping into such big shoes. And let's take a step back for our listeners or a little bit who maybe aren't as familiar with your background. Can you take us through uh, kind of your career and some of those milestones and, and how you got where you are today? Sure. Um, I feel very lucky. I've had a phenomenal uh, career. I have always been based in technology, so different kinds of technology, but software and services for some very small angel invested companies all the way up to uh, Deloitte Consulting and IBM. So as a technologist and and a marketer, Always wanted to have IBM as a chapter in my book, kind of a very exciting experience to have, Uh, but different things from data privacy to contract management to um, project management at one point in time. So kind of came up through the ranks there, different types of technology, Uh, always focused on marketing and marketing and sales and kind of alignment of those two business functions to create revenue. 
And it seems like you had a knack for picking companies that would eventually be acquired. I did have a couple of back-to-back-to-back experiences there, um, which is good. You kind of put put a growth plan in place and say, this is our objective. When you're with private equity-backed organizations, they typically begin with the end in mind, and you kind of know I have a three-year, five-year, seven-year horizon, uh, and this is what we aspire to do. So we had some really good experiences I did, back-to-back anyway, um, being a part of that growth plan. Yeah. So you, you really, as if you're leading that marketing charge, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to get the exit. And then once you get it, it's like, what now? Uh, Yeah. And, and in, from my experience anyway, uh, that meant different things at different companies. In one case, uh, I worked for a, a simulation company and we were acquired by our largest competitor over in Sweden. And, uh, I was not going to relocate to Sweden. So that was kind of like, goodbye, good luck. Uh, And as I said, when Princeton SoftTech was acquired by IBM, it was an exciting opportunity to be a part of such a technology behemoth. And it's funny, as an IBMer, as an ex-IBMer, everybody knows you by kind of whose regime were you a part of? (laughs) Were you there there in the Gerstner? Were you Palmasano? Were you Ginny Rometty? Um, and if you overlapped, what did that mean? So, uh, for me anyway, I knew I wasn't going to stay there the rest of my life. It was, it was a great chapter, but I really enjoy, uh, being a part of smaller organizations where you can really, uh, help drive the growth and and partner across the whole of the organization. So let's go back to that period between March and August of this year. So what, yeah. what was your what was your mindset? Because uh, we have a lot of executives that listen to the podcast, and and I would imagine that when you get that interim CEO tag, I mean you're you're evaluating the job and you're being evaluated, right? I mean it would seem like uh, what's what's that like? What's your mindset, and how do you decide? How do you and the company decide? I guess that the fit was right. Yeah, it's a great question. So in my case, because I was wearing three hats, I didn't have a lot of time to sit and kind of think about that interim role, Um, very focused on driving our growth on both the sales and marketing side and not wanting to skip a beat there. We came off of a couple of very, very strong years and wanting to ensure that we continued that kind of growth trajectory in service of our clients. That said, Uh, It was an interesting try before you buy. I was not one of those individuals who always aspired to be in that CEO chair. I really love marketing and sales. I have a great passion for that kind of alignment, but opportunity sometimes knocks. And so I was triangulating that with my passion around our mission and vision and this team. I have truly never worked with better people than the people I work with here at eMoney. And that is incredibly enticing. So I was looking at all of those things. And uh, as you know, we are owned by Fidelity and they went through uh, their process to look for the next CEO. So I kind of kept my my head down and focused on the day-to-day and my job while at the same time doing what you said, which is just kind of thinking through, well, what if I could? There are things that you can't do as an interim or, or maybe you shouldn't do is a better way to put it. Uh, right. Where if you officially have that 
role, you might be more willing um, to take that next step. And I understand you're a, you're a Mel Robbins fan. I am. Right? She's one of she's one of many that I I follow and listen to, try and learn from. And so, for people who don't know, she uh, I guess it was the five second rule and uh, yeah. stop saying you're fine. Stop saying you're fine is so yeah. such a cool book. Yeah, uh, it was. Agree. <laughs> she has a couple things that I think are applicable here. She says, you know, start before you're ready. Uh, don't prepare, just begin. And it kind of no. sounds like that's really almost what you had to do, huh? It, it, it's funny. I used to tell uh, folks when, you know, mentoring individuals or, or people that I was um, lucky enough to work with, never take a job you're fully qualified for. You'll be bored within six months. You know, and I think especially as you start out, or maybe five years into your career, it's really, it's really difficult to get to that next level, that next rung on the ladder. And, and sometimes people say, well, I'm not qualified. Good. If you're fully <laughs> I like qualified, that. I think you'll be bored fairly quickly. So uh, I, I agree with Mel's perspective. And, and I feel like I've kind of lived that throughout my career because sometimes opportunities do present you just have to dive in and hopefully be confident and surround yourself with good people and know that uh, you can make an impact. Yeah. If you're not suffering from imposter syndrome, at least once a week, you're probably, uh, <laughs> you're probably not in the right gig. <laughs> Fair. So let's talk e-money. So uh, the vision for the company is financial peace of mind. And then the mission is helping people talk about money. I, Yes. I think that's really cool because it's those are two very human characteristics. And we a lot of times we don't think about our software platforms and our services in that sort of frame. But I, the way I always think about it is that what the technology does is enables us. It sets the table for us to have these kind of discussions. Um, and it's great that you guys have the end user in mind, the, the, that in conversation yeah. that, uh, you know, the tech is, is invaluable, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just tech until it transcends into the actual conversations that we need to have. How much thought do y'all give into that when you're thinking about the roadmap? Uh, how much, uh, how many conversations do you have with all the different, uh, hmm. interested parties in the, in those two overall missions or visions? So I was fortunate enough to be a part of our reworking of our mission and vision several years ago. And we did that for several reasons. One, to simplify. We're trying to explain that we do a lot of things at eMoney. Uh, and it's quite hard to pare that down into something simple that our customers, that our employees, can remember, which is how we landed with helping people talk about money and financial peace of mind for all. Uh, both uh, distinctive, but incredibly important as we do think through the roadmap and as I talk to and many others across the organization, talk to our clients all the time. So when you hear stories of our clients' clients, when you hear about the impact uh, on the end user, it absolutely and fundamentally must inform 
where you're taking the roadmap and where you're going. So for us, helping people talk about money, it's emotional. It's very difficult for many people to open up at whatever stage you are on your horizon. I'm sure you see this all the time. Um, so it was pretty important for us that we just said, we're, we're going to help you talk about money. We're going to use the technology as an enabler, as you correctly stated, to kind of broker that conversation, ask you the teasing questions, take a little of the intimidation out of it, make it easier for you to open up. And then of course, a vision being far reaching and aspirational financial peace of mind for all. Absolutely. I like to think that what we do every day helps us get a little bit closer to that and a little bit closer to that. Uh, and our clients tell us that. So when you hear these stories of impact, uh, it really resonates with me, it resonates with our associates uh, and certainly with our other clients as well. So how would you hope that an end client or a beneficiary of the software would describe e-money? Well, I would hope making their lives easier, right? Giving them the transparency they need um, to see everything from their plans to how that can change to different scenarios that they can model. Um, there are investors and investors who want to be in that all the time. And there are others who don't want anything to do with it, right? They want their advisor to check in with them either daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever the cadence, and I hear it across the board, believe me, uh, but use visuals and uh, the technology to tell them they're safe, tell them they're secure, tell them they need to make changes or suggestions that they discuss with their advisor, uh, but ultimately enhance their state of mind, their peace of mind. Yeah, and it, it's helpful to wrap an organizational you know, ribbon around all of that chaos. I, I think we had one client several years back that said, uh, you know, talking about money is really difficult, but you turned it from being impossible to really difficult. Uh, wow. And and she was talking about that in terms of, you know, my husband and I couldn't really even agree on where we were because we didn't have that real-time access to data. We didn't have everything kind of sitting there for us. And so not only do we have to have this very difficult conversation, but we have to put together the pieces to have the conversation every time that we do it. And it really does make it real for people, right? Yeah. And it, really you know, you only have a certain amount of time to have those kind of conversations. I mean, there, that's not a, you don't have a lot of successful two and a half hour meetings. Yeah. Uh, and when you spend the first hour trying to figure out and agree on just where you are, yeah, that where you're going to go is, is a little more difficult. So we always think of, of e-money almost in a humanistic form around here. It's like, if it were another, another member of our staff, how would we, <laughs> how would we talk about it? Right. You know, they're, they're available 24 seven, you know, yeah. Mostly everything works okay. They never take a sick day. Well, occasionally <laughs> the technology is not what we want it to be, but, and guess what? They always ask for, I mean, you can always ask for help. And I mean, so it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about, I think we throw that word technology out so much. We do. 
And our clients don't necessarily want more technology. They want more solutions. And mm -hmm. if the technology gets us there, that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, uh, and so when you talk about leveraging technology, I hear that all the time in our industry. Yeah. And, and I think we, I think we get it maybe from the empowerment of the advisor side more easily than we get it from, well, how do we transition that into empowering the client? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the upcoming summit that you guys are going to have, and I'll, I'll plug it for you because I'm going to be a panelist on yes, the- Yes, you uh, are. <laughs> I'm the, very appreciative of that. On the Bridging the Gap uh, uh, segment. And we've been working really hard to, uh, you know, get all our wonderful ideas into a, into a shortened window. We appreciate uh, that. For people who don't know, it's from October 17th through the 19th. Uh, there's a hashtag eMoneySummit22 for those on social media who want to check it out. Uh, you can also go to eMoneyAdvisor.com and just search for Summit 2022. There's still time to, uh, there's still time to be a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, and then I've always appreciated how much thought eMoney puts into training. I think that is such a huge, such a huge thing that the things y'all have done, even in the last three or four months to organize the training uh, and really give somebody a menu of opportunity to learn as much as they can, as fast as they're able to and go back to it. I, I think that's one of the better uh, programs in the industry. How much of your resources go towards innovation versus adoption and training? So I appreciate your saying that, first of all, I feel incredibly proud of our service and support organizations at eMoney. Um, and it, it's funny, I'm, I'm here almost five years with eMoney and my first week with the organization, uh, I spent time shadowing our tech support folks, just listening to calls and what do advisors call about? How often is it the technology versus how often is it? Uh, and I'll tell you, it was more often. I have a client coming in in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so it was usually this, you know, this panic of the last minute, but, but always in the best interest of trying to serve our clients. And, and in the past 12 months, we have onboarded more than 20,000 new users. And the service and support, the training, the getting them up to speed, the driving the adoption. Uh, and we have this in different areas of the organization because adoption equals retention. And when folks really understand how to help their clients more easily, it just trickles all the way down through the pipe. So it's actually a very large part of our organization. I know uh, larger than some of our competitors. We just devote a lot of resources, not only to the initial onboarding, but to the ongoing support because your book changes, right? Your clients change over time. We have clients who've been with us for years and years and years. Very, very grateful for that. Um, but their climate has changed considerably. So we have to stay with them. We have to change with them and they have different needs at different points in time. So uh, it's a tremendous part of our organization that we rely very heavily on and I think is a, is a very strong competitive differentiator for money. And then the upcoming summit is, you know, all about bridging the gap. 
Uh, and there's lots, lots of gaps going on. Let's talk about a couple. So we have societal gaps. Yeah. Um, probably one of those, you're, you're, you're probably a, a partial solution to one of those societal gaps being one of the, you know, one of the few female CEOs in FinTech. So, so that's, that's progress. What other kind of societal gaps does e-money as a platform and e-money as a company of people and platform hope to be able to solve? So I can answer this a couple different ways. So DEI, incredibly important to us. It's, it's actually baked in as one of our core values as an organization and something that we put a lot of energy around, but also in helping create kind of that next generation of planners. I think you're familiar with our university program. We yes, partner yeah. with over 100 universities and um, specifically around the country to help provide the technology to students so that they can begin their financial planning education and give them skills as they move on in their careers. So that has really uh, expanded over time. We also partner with BLX, uh, their internship program. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. We partnered with them back in June to really give an entry point to Black and Latinx professionals as they begin their careers. Uh, and we provide e-money software to them. They have access to e-money Premier and they can earn their e-money fundamentals certification which is similar to what we do also with the FPA, the virtual externship program that we have participated in um, the past couple of years. We've just seen a tremendous amount of diversity and opportunity for us to help uh, folks who wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to join this profession, help make it more diverse and ultimately put more plans into the hands of more people. And of course, one of the promises of diversity is when you get all these different sets of opinions and different backgrounds, uh, you also get different suggestions, different, absolutely, you know, different ideas of where to take the roadmap. And I, I guess with 20,000 new users yeah. and a more diversified set of new users, you're getting, you're probably getting that roadmap tweaked in a direction that uh, it might otherwise not uh, is there any is there any particular roadmap tweak you can point to and say, wow, this, you know, but for diversity inclusion, this wouldn't be happening? You're setting me up for Summit. I love it. So, uh, and over Summit next month, they'll have an opportunity to hear from Tom Sullivan. He is our new head of product. Uh, he's going to walk you through kind of his vision for eMoney and how that works uh, hand in hand with our product roadmap moving forward. I think your comment is incredibly important about we we take input from our clients in so many different ways, but not just clients, the constituents that I just referenced right through the internship and the externship programs, uh, which undoubtedly influences the roadmap in a more diverse fashion to the point that you just made. So with over we're at, actually we crossed in uh, early summer over 100,000 financial professionals that are currently using e-money and extremely excited and proud about that. And, and when I look back five years, I can, I can see we've more than doubled and obviously the, the diversity has only increased over the past years as well, not just in our client base, but in our associate base as well. 
which provides a greater diversity of thought and creativity to everything that we do. Wow, that's a good answer. I I think you should uh, you, you should work with that one at the actual conference. That's that's really good. <laughs> Let, let's talk about industry gaps. So, and not not necessarily in the in the diversion and inclusion area, but just in what are we not utilizing technology for that we could be uh, that would help not only the operations of the you know financial planning firms that that call e money home but the 5 million households yeah. that use e-money. So <laughs> this, but this may sound appropriate coming from, from someone in my role to me, they're still not using, we're still not using planning enough, right? We have some clients uh, who probably have a hundred percent adoption across their firm. We have others who have much lower adoption and they'll say to me, help us drive this more holistically across the organization so that we can help folks understand the impact that planning can have. And I think one of the things that's been a source of debate over the years is what is a plan? Would love your answer. What what do you say when someone (laughs) says, what is a plan? What is a financial plan? For us, you can only have a plan if you know what the desired outcome is. And if you agree, whoever's building that plan together on what that desired outcome Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. then you move to the point where no plan ever goes according to plan, you know, no financial plan, at least in finance, it's a little bit different because we start with this idea of, what the current state is and what the endpoint looks like. And then we have all these detours along the way. And our plan is that thing that reminds us where the road is when the detours get so much mm-hmm. that we kind of forget where we're going. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's that it's kind of that hallmark It's that thing we go back to. And when I think of planning, I think, it's that concept of knowing what the plan is, reviewing it, and being able to do two things. Susan, I, I think we do fear-based planning very well in our business. We help our clients worry about not having enough to do this. We help them worry about being below the line. I think we really suck at dream-based planning. Because in every one of those, in every one of those Monte Carlo simulations, there's an upside and a downside. And I think a lot of our clients are ready and understand what they do when things go wrong. I think they're very ill-equipped to understand what they can do when things go right. I love that definition between fear-based planning and dream-based planning. And I've been reading so much more about the concept of that post-pandemic as people have really looked and we've all seen the changes in the market. We've seen the changes in the economy and some people want to retire at 55 because life's too short. And some people to the point you just made, they don't want to think about retirement. I just want to live my life. I want to have a set of guidelines here that, that kind of tell me I'm okay. But I think that propensity to think bigger is newer. And I think that's changing. So I think you're spot on 
And it can be a very interesting perspective for yourself and other advisors to encourage that. Take the fear out of the old school. I'm going to retire at this. I need this much in the bank. The inevitable uh, roadblocks or curves or obstacles along the way or good things along the way, right? A child gets married or, or a grandchild, if you're lucky enough to, to have that and want to be able to support that. But to me, I think so much about a plan as kind of a life opportunity and not having that single point in time that I'm working towards, but more like, let me live my life with my family, with my ecosystem um, to the best of my ability and to be able to flex as those things inevitably happen. I do think that that fear-based planning, and I, I love the way you put that, is common. I feel like it may be becoming part of the way we used to do things and not the way we should be thinking about doing things moving forward. Because when we talk about more plans for more people, that transcends kind of the segment of the population that used to think that they were entitled to a plan. You, know, you needed to have this much in investable assets, and therefore you are welcome to sit down with advisor. You've earned the right to have a plan. And we know now that that's anything from, I don't really have a plan yet. I just need budgeting help, right? At some point, hopefully with smart management and so forth, one day you'll have enough to be able to start that dream-based planning and look at those other elements that go into that. So. I love the way you phrase that. And I think it's it's more of a 2022 forward approach to planning. Well, and I think, too, we, we put a lot of pressure on planning as if planning has to be this comprehensive monstrosity that True. gets us from cradle to grave with, you know, the most, you know, you know, in the, in the easiest journey possible. And, and the reality is to go back to Mel Robbins quote, sometimes it's just about starting. Yeah. You know, it's just about, well, maybe I don't need a plan for life. Maybe I need a plan for this. Right. And it's so intimidating. It's just so intimidating to so many. And they think it has to be that monstrosity. Uh, and it's just all of, all of money is, is fear-based. I mean, depending on how you grew up, there are just a lot of people that are still afraid to even have that discussion. It's no judgment, right? It's just this is something we all deal with every day. It's how do we budget? How do we get? There's a lot of um, consternation and a lot of stress involved with folks, for example, who have a lot of student loans. There's tons of studies on this recently that are showing, right? The more student debt you have, the higher that person's stress level, the higher their uh, agita is when it comes to talking about anything money, because it's just kind of sitting out there on the side as something that may preclude them from buying a home, may preclude them from taking a dream vacation, all of those things. That's awful. And it's like, okay, well, how do we chunk this out? How do we create a plan that's going to allow you to feel better about that so that you can live your life and not have this sitting on your shoulder as this big onus for the rest of your life? And I think what we see in, in our younger clientele is a higher propensity to plan than actually even, I think, I think, and of course I'm age stereotyping here, which is always dangerous, but I think, <laughs> I think culturally there was a generation that says we get together and we, 
do this arduous plan and then we try to follow it and then we get together again and we figure out, well, remind me again what we're supposed to be doing so we can get back to doing that. Uh, but with the younger generation, what I see is this continuous interaction with their plan mm-hmm. at even micro moments. I mean, I've, I've noticed my kids and, and their friends talking about the impact of something that I would consider to be fairly innocuous on their financial plan or their, mm-hmm. they wouldn't necessarily take, you know, term it a financial plan, but that is what it is, right? Yeah. This is, it's my ethos. This is my, uh, you know, this is my way. This is really important to me. This is why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like that. I think that's a, I think that's something that we really need to lean into. And, you know, I'm hopeful with more of the on-demand education and, and more of the on-demand financial literacy, embedded finance, you know, those sort of things that it gives, uh, it gives those people the ability to, you know, continuously kind of have their plan in mind. Um, because I, I think that the younger generation has a much better grasp of what it takes to monitor and operate within a plan than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Do you find that in your own, uh, in your own world, you're dealing with, you know, 5 million more of them than I am. So yeah, <laughs> I think it comes in all shapes and sizes. I think watching Gen X and, <clears throat> and learning from our clients and their clients about where we see things. I think the tech savvy youth absolutely embrace the opportunity and certainly want to see things in that way. Um, But they are also planners. Inherently, they're planners and they've used technology to do that planning for years. So uh, I do, I do see that. And then you talk about the, you know, student loans kind of thing, you know, you know, hanging over someone's head as that impediment to really getting started on the right track or even, you know, even achieving that financial peace of mind, right? That's got to yeah. be a huge, huge component against it. What are some it of the other things? That you know? Right. It doesn't have to be. I think, you know, to our point about, well, if there's budgeting, there's a way to work it into your life and into your plan so that that doesn't have to be your obstacle to happiness or your obstacle to dream. There are ways to do that. And I think, you know, people do have that perspective that it's all or nothing. You have a plan. This is your only path to success. You deviate from that and you will not be successful. You will not be able to retire at 63 or 65 or whatever, whatever that is. Um, But I do think that that's changing. Oh, I think so. Is especially, uh, I, I try to bring up COVID as, as little as humanly possible, but I do think, <laughs> uh, you know, I do think there was a mindset shift across lots of different, yeah. uh, industries and, and people because of it. Uh, and for the first time I heard multiple financial advisors saying, well, you know, I talked to the client and they don't, you know, this isn't the right financial thing for them to do. I know that they know that the software knows that, but you know, damn it, they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm having a hard time telling them no. And I said, well, why are you telling them? No. I mean, e-money has an entire, you know, section of the program. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's designed to tell them what happens when they say yes. Right. Right. And if you take them through that and they still want to say yes, well then, you know, send them a postcard. I mean, what, yeah. what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> uh, Love it. Send them a postcard. <laughs> Uh, but it, but it is, it is interesting that we, we put ourselves in as financial advisors. I mean, we want to always steer our clients toward what we feel is the best financial solution. I mean, that is, I mean, that's the, the basically the ethos of being a fiduciary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, life isn't just about finance. And you know, I, I don't, I've never, we've lost quite a few clients in in the in years past and i i can't ever remember talking to one of them and having them say boy i'm sure glad we got 12 percent back in you know back in 1994 i'm yeah. holding on to that one at my deathbed you know they're <laughs> it'll be wow i'm sure glad we you know we took that that trip to uh europe and it's about the relationships yeah. i mean everything you're describing is is about people and relationships, not a static piece of paper, not a visual on your computer screen, not that plan that they have that ensures them every step along the way. It, it's more about life and living life and understanding your clients well enough to know when to bob and weave and say, look, you want to go take that trip around the world, you can do it. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's the scenarios. Here's what the next five to 10 years is going to hold. And I really think you know, as, as we look at our mission and vision, the people component is the only thing that matters there. It's the thing that transcends both of those. Uh, and it's kind of the heart of what we do at eMoney because it's, it's not about the tech. It's, it's how we help our advisors and how our advisors help their clients. These are real stories from real people uh, and it resonates. Yeah, it sure does. And then as you start to think about all the different constituencies, this is a, this was before your time at eMoney. I think we, uh, I think we met in the, uh, the summit in Austin, right? Was it 2018? In your backyard. Yeah. And, uh, but the first summit I ever went to was in San Diego and I think it was 2012. I mean, it's it a few years ago. I'm dating myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, and it was really interesting. Uh, they had a segment where, all the advisors crammed into a room and we had post-it notes in front of us and they actually asked the advisors to make recommendations about the software. Nice. Oh Lord. And so I've never seen a group of financial advisors so excited to be able to tell everybody else what to do. Oh, this is great. So, And so they've got a group of about four or five engineers that are sitting up at the front. And they've got, you know, the the poor people who are running the conference are up there. And all of a sudden, here come all these people marching with all these post-it notes and posting them on this big desk. And I went up there afterward and I said, you know, now y'all are just going to throw all these in the trash, right? I mean, you can't really... I mean, I mean, look at these. I started picking them up and it was like one idea canceled the other one out. And it was... uh, (laughs) Of course. But as as crazy as that little scenario was, the thing I walked away from it feeling was a real confidence in the people because mm-hmm. the people in that room were actually dedicated to making that thing happen. Yeah. 
they were it was a very it was a very poor idea from uh <laughs> in, in terms of in terms of the context but i mean they were just sitting there thinking oh man we yeah we can we could do this we can do uh, this right that, what a, that's the kind of attitude i yeah, you know, you I, know it, it, I think your your point about the ideas canceling each other out, we see that all the time, right? Because we we get our requests in through through user voice and a number of, of other platforms to be able to see what people want. And of course, you can't please everybody. Uh, but when you really start to see trends there, um, particularly among different segments of our population, you're like, you know, we're on to something here. That's the only way to create a roadmap that's going to resonate with our clients and our clients' clients is to continue to listen and continue to understand how life changes and how their use of our technology changes and allow it to continue to be a facilitator, a facilitator and an enabler of those important conversations. And then to take a step back from the serious world of finance, I, I understand you're a, a Philly sports fan. Go Birds. Oh man, you must be having the time of your life right now. <laughs> you know, I had a thought yesterday. I better stop screaming, or I'm not going to have a voice left. I, I was I was wondering if it was a good idea for us to do this thing on Monday or not. I was like, oh, man, I don't know, man. Maybe, Depends maybe how the game turned out, but uh, <laughs> yesterday was a good one. <laughs> yeah, but I I love the uh, the the entire Philly experience is is really cool. I just I, I love the people. Nobody can go from hate to love back to hate to love as fast as, as a, you know, as an OG Philly person. It's really, it's really yeah. pretty awesome. Thank you. You are so right. And I was so hoping that uh, all of Philly would do well by Doug Peterson and, and give him a big old standing ovation. And they did just that. Yeah. Well, it, and yeah, you know, they were probably booing him by the second quarter, but that's you okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, once the game started, all bets were off. <laughs> and, and I think Philly fans are tough. And I think we as advisors tend to be really tough on our technology providers too. Right? It's like if, if our technology provider is not 17 and 0, we're looking to fire the coach. Hey, uh, the backbone of your business. And so as kind of the, I mean, if, if you're the Doug Peterson of, uh, and that's probably a bad example. We should probably, you know, well, no, Doug's won a Super Bowl. That's a pretty good example. Right. He brought if you're, us the, Super if you're Bowl. the Doug Peterson of eMoney, what's your, uh, what's your strategy? What feedback do you listen to? And what feedback do you say, well, you, you can't make everybody happy, but we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. So I'll keep my football analogy for just a little while longer. He did bring us a Super Bowl, right? He made some unpopular moves. He made some very popular moves and he surrounded himself with an amazing team. I already have that luxury. I have an amazing team here at eMoney that I am very, very uh, privileged and grateful to work with them and um, different tentacles reaching out to our clients, right? On the product side, which is a little bit different than on the sales side. Uh, and then the conversations that I have with myself with our clients, a little bit different perspective across the organization, but I think together we take very seriously the role that we play uh, in our clients' lives and in their clients' lives. And as I said, it's the backbone of your uh, practice. And we know you rely on that technology to help facilitate the engagement that you have with your clients. 
Well, Susan, thank you so much for joining us today and taking some time out ahead of the uh, ahead of the summit. I know it's a busy time for you. Uh, just again, to remind everybody, the uh, Bridging the Gap virtual summit is uh, October 17th through the 19th. Uh, for the social media crew out there, you can hashtag uh, eMoneySummit22 and find out information on it. Go directly to the website, uh, eMoneyAdvisor.com, Summit 2022. I'll be one of the panelists on the uh, Bridging the Gap discussion. Hope to uh, be able to interact with you, engage with you. And uh, Susan, we all wish you the best of luck. And uh, as you travel toward your own uh, e-money Super Bowl of sorts, uh, we hope that uh, we know you have a great team to carry you forward. And uh, we just wish you the best. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And that's a wrap for this episode of A Voice from the Hills podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And just a reminder that for access to this episode and all prior episodes, you can follow A Voice from the Hills podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcast content. We'd love it if you would subscribe to the pod, post a review, give us a rating. If you'd like updates on future podcasts and all our other content, you can also follow A Voice from the Hills and Silicon Hills Wealth Management on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Silicon Hills Wealth and the services we offer, please check us out at our website at siliconhillswealth.com. And please know that your engagement and feedback is truly a gift. We can only do our best work when you are here to listen. Thank you.